0: A lot of my formative years were lived out on a small family farm. Some of you know some of my farming stories. Farming isn't quite like the little pictures on the package of bacon that you get at the store, where you got like the overalls and maybe a pitchfork thrown in there for good measure. Farming is like hard work. It's up early, working late. Equipment breaks down all the time. You're always doing something on the farm. And some of you are laughing because you've, maybe you've had experience with the farm thing. And, and I think for me, and you could say the, you know, the, the early rising, the hay and moving irrigation, all that stuff, that's over here for me. I think early on, uh, when, when my, my mom and my, my brothers moved to the farm, we were unprepared for how much work sheep are. <laughs> and really, you could say any animal on the farm. It's a farm animal. It's, it's work, beyond just the equipment part. It's work. I had a best friend in high school. that His family owned a dairy. You are locked in for life if you own a dairy. You ain't doing anything. They didn't even vacation, because you couldn't. Because apparently, you have to keep milking these things. It's really important. But sheep, sometimes they get maggots in their feet. You're welcome for lunch later. Super gross. The thing is, they're they're always getting out. You you gotta gotta watch, you gotta feed them, you know, but not too much, because if you overfeed them, they bloat up, which is crazy to me. But they would get, there would be predators, you have to watch out for that, make sure the fences were always mended. It seems like if there was danger, they didn't go away from it. They just went to it. We had kind of a, a wet, wetland area on our property. And they, you, inevitably, they would find a way to get in that and get stuck. So you got to go in there and get them out, which is super fun. Sheep, messy. They're la- Let's get into the, how loud they were sometimes because they just bleat. I don't know if you heard the sound of sheep, but they are whiny. They make noise. Yes, the wool's fine and all, but a lot of work it takes for sheep. And every time I have moments where I think about those memories, all those years, it just confirms for me more and more why we're like sheep. Think about it. We're whiny. Some of you are whiny, some of you are good at it. You need food. Who's going to do that for you? you you're, you're, you've got issues. Stuff breaks down on your body. you got to get fixed. I mean, we, we complain. We rush into danger. Some of you see danger and you just rush into it anyway. Anybody done like that to me? I see the danger and I just go right for it. You think that, you know, you'd learn after a while. We return to the same issues. Uh, we, are, we are sheep. Sometimes we get stuck in the mud. And we have no way, we need help getting out of that thing. Some of you have been in mud in your life. You've been in those circumstances. Some of it you chose to be in. You know, like there's no one to blame except for you. Anybody have that in your life? You've been in the mud. Now, sometimes we can get in the mud accidentally, but more often than not, we are the ones that put ourselves in the mud. And then we need help. We are sheep. We are those sheep. Sometimes... Look, we, we get we get stuck. We need help. We need a mentor. We need guidance. We need help. We are sheep, and if you ever get the chance to work and live with sheep, blessings on you, because they are uh, run from it, run for us, run. We are sheep. We we're in this series called White Church, and we're trying to unpack. Why it, is still, why it still matters, why it's still relevant, why the, why the gathered church is something special, unlike anything else on the planet. So we've been unpacking this in this series of why church, why it's still important. And In week one, we talked about help to grow spiritually, and that's an important thing. In week two, we talked about growing deeper in relationships, that the relationships you can build in the church family, they go deep, and they go long sometimes. Uh, and, 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 and today, we're going to talk about the idea of pastoral care that there's an important bit of the church family where we need help. We need some guidance. We need some people kind of, uh, that maybe have gone ahead of us They can give us some good spiritual wisdom from the scriptures. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because I think sometimes we get into hurts, and that's where the church can really come in to help, unlike any place else. So I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you were here with us. Welcome, welcome. Uh, if you're online, welcome. We see you too. We're gathered like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. As we've said before, we're like one big big dysfunctional family of faith all over the globe. But we meet on Sundays because that was the day that Jesus rose from from the dead. That tomb was empty and it changed human history forever. And that's why we were here gathered to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. Hopefully get some encouragement from the scriptures. We're going to take communion. There's a place to be generous. We're singing together to show unity. This is the gathering, folks. Welcome to it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We know that you're powerful and mighty. And you've created this beautiful, crazy thing called the church. And you blessed it. It's on your son is the cornerstone of this church. And you said evil cannot prevail against it. So, Father, help us to embrace and love your church and to see it be as healthy as possible Uh, until you come back father help this this church and and the church um, around the globe would be that hope for the world so father we lean into your scripture speak by the power of your holy spirit in in the name of jesus we pray amen when i first got into full-time pastoral work it was about the time that we started this church i had been in leadership of a church before but more of an, uh, kind of an associate level. It was still pastoring, but I was, I was the worship leader, kind of like Ryan does. He's our worship pastor. But when we launched this church in 2007 and we were meeting in uh, Whitworth Elementary School and then later to the high school auditorium, uh, that was the first kind of role that I took where I was a lead pastor. And I had to, I had to get some help from that because I didn't really know that role. And so I adopted sort of a life verse, if you will, so that I would remember the role that I'm in. So I thought I would share it with you. It's from 1 Peter chapter 5. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen, pay attention. If you've got a device or a Bible, you can find that. 1 Peter toward the end of the New Testament section of the Bible. And uh, I want to read it for you. Do the proper work of a shepherd as you looked at, look after God's flock, which has been entrusted to you, not under compulsion, but gladly, as in God's presence not, shame, not for shameful profit but eagerly you should not lord it over those for whom you are responsible but rather be an example to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that won't wither away so that's kind of my pastoral shot in the arm when i when i need to remember what my role is in the church family, that's a role that God has called me to. And i got to remember to do the work of a shepherd. And so I can't help but think of sheep every time I read that, realizing that we uh, struggle as a people and sometimes we need help. And that I'm I'm not supposed to do this role with harshness or out of compulsion, but to do it gladly, uh, with gentleness, and to lead by example. And I take that pretty seriously. I don't always get it right, but that's the role that, that I'm in. And we, this is a beautiful design that, that God has for his church, that there are some people that are going to be called to do kind of a unique sort of thing in the church family. And that's a leadership role, but it's pastoral in the terms of shepherd. And Jesus is my chief shepherd. So this is Jesus' church, not your church, not my church. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. So in one way, I'm kind of like an under-shepherd. In fact, our, our, our eldership and leadership team, we call it, we're call we shepherds. And so they're also under shepherds to the chief shepherd, Jesus. That's kind of how leadership in our church works. That if you're going to be a leader here in our church, you shepherd. And sometimes it's messy. Sometimes sheep are whiny. Come on, you see the, you see the beauty of the metaphor already. You're seeing it already. Shepherding is a big deal in scripture. We see it early on. In the pages of even Genesis, Abraham, he, he had a lot of, a lot of sheep. Uh, and it was kind of later on, Moses was a shepherd for a while. Early on, it was a pretty big deal in the Israelite economy to have sheep. Uh, so much so that even, remember, Joseph and the, his brothers and yeah, Jacob, his dad, they had to move down because of famine into the land of Egypt where, where Joseph has, had risen to like second in command. The people of, uh, in Egypt didn't really like shepherds. They didn't really like the whole sheep thing. So you, you guys go over there to the land of Goshen. You guys hang out there. You know, God bless you. But we don't want to. The sheep has always been part of the story for Israel, even before it became a nation. In fact, well, David. Think about David. What what was David doing when uh, Samuel was trying to see which son was going son of Jesse was going to get the kingship? Where was David? Out, hanging out with sheep, protecting them, you know, guiding them with his staff, whatever he had to do. So shepherding has kind of been a big deal in God's people from from the beginning. In fact, when, when Israel started to crumble a bit and there was civil war and some really awful kings, at one point, the prophet Ezekiel just kind of really comes down hard on the leaders of Israel. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of the Lord is like, hey, you're, you're bad shepherds. You've not been helping the, the sheep. You've been stealing from them. You've not been protecting them. These, these, these ravenous wolves from other countries are coming in. And you're, the leadership wasn't doing a good job shepherding. And so the leadership then was, it could have been the priests, but it was also the king or the other officials. They were, they were stealing and hurting and not caring for the sheep. And it's one of the most, I mean, you read Ezekiel 34 this week. It's, it's scathing where God is saying, you have failed to be a shepherd. Uh, but it's a big deal. In fact, if you still want to argue with me about the shepherding sheep thing in the Bible, who were the first humans to see baby Jesus other than Mary and Joseph? Who were shepherds. Now that should give us a pretty good clue. This is an important metaphor in what God's doing in his people. And there's, a, there's points where we need good shepherding. I've needed good shepherding in my life or pastoral care. You've needed it too. And I don't think of any other place where that can happen more beautifully than in the Jesus-ordained, Jesus-created church. You think about Jesus as a chief shepherd. He says in John 10, 10 he actually just says it out loud... I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep to protect them, to keep them okay. Jesus took that chief shepherd role. And I love how you see in the the book of Acts and then through the letters of the New Testament how his early disciples, they were disciples kind of early on and then after Jesus ascended, uh, they were sent. And so we started referring to them as the apostles. Uh, Some of the same individuals, but they learned how to shepherd like their chief shepherd, Jesus, did. So whether that be Peter or Paul or John, other apostolic leaders, they they modeled and taught prayer and and shared stories about Jesus. They guided the people. Uh, There was sometimes rebuking, sometimes discipline that had to happen, but also they were able to, to meet needs. In fact, we saw that a week or so ago in Acts 2.42. We saw the, the glimpse of the early church meeting needs as there was need that came out. And so early on, those those leaders learned to shepherd the people. And again, it was less about a title, it's more about a role of caring for people. And then you get to what I would call the pastoral letters. I think scholars have called them the pastoral letters. And you're like, what does that even mean? It's the, again, that, that's shepherding idea. You're taking care. And so the pastoral letters are First and Second Timothy and Titus. And I read these in my personal time with Jesus every week. Those are part of my normal reading. I read through 1 and 2 Timothy. And yes, there's some, uh, some, some big stuff to unpack in First and 2 Timothy, if you know the passages I'm talking about. But those are really helpful so I remember what it is for my role and our, 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 our elder team, what our role is, how we're to care for people. And so I read those all the time. And First and Second Timothy, uh, this is a, Timothy was a, kind of a, an apprentice of the apostle Paul and maybe some of you know his story but at some point Paul said hey, I need you to stay in Ephesus because Ephesus became a pretty big uh, pretty big part of the early church like that was a pretty central church in a lot of what how 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 the, how the how the Jesus followers went all over the the Roman Empire Ephesus must have been super important Paul writes quite a bit he writes to Ephesus spent time in Ephesus and then at some point he kind of took the baton and gave it to Timothy and said I want you to go to Ephesus, and I want you to be a good leader, and these, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, are his sort of instruction manuals, if you will, on how to do the work of pastoral care. Really, really important that there is pastoral care, and I don't think you get that any other place like a healthy church family. And, um, And so it's no surprise that around here, and we talk about this in our starting point class, and if you haven't gone through that, I think we've got that coming up, where we'll talk about how how the church got started and what our leadership structure is, but it should be no surprise that we say over and over, if you want to be a leader here, be willing to clean a toilet, be willing to sit in and pray with somebody. This is what it means to be in leadership of our church, is that you are someone who shepherds. You care for people not about a title or a badge. It's about a role that you play in helping people move forward in their spiritual life. And so that's a role that we take very seriously around here, that our elder shepherds are are really pastoral care people. We're servant-based. We we serve. If you want to be a leader here, you serve. And we take that very seriously. So you might be asking, well, how does that work out? And I I want to give you like four different areas of, of the way that pastoral care works in our church family. And, you know, different churches in town might have different structures that way, but here's kind of where we, at least four areas where we try to focus. And the first one is this, to care for and build up the church family. This is a big role that we play. Now, I, my, one of my big roles is the, the, the uh, preacher, teacher role, uh, but there are many other roles. And, um, and so we're, we're, we're aiming for to caring for the people and building up the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, Here's again the Apostle Paul. We're we're having a, a Paul morning, aren't we? A lot. He wrote, by the way, a lot of the New Testament. So Paul was a pretty big deal in the early church, helping us figure out the ways of Jesus in culture. And Paul wrote to his friends in Ephesus, and he wrote this for the leaders, the shepherd elders. He said this: He, that is Jesus, handed out gifts from above and below, filled heaven with his gifts. He filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts to, uh, of the apostle, of the prophet, of the evangelist, of the pastor-teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. So that's one of the roles here of pastoral care, how it plays out. And we're trying to encourage, build up, strengthen the church family so that we can all mature. That's one of the big roles that we have here. The second one is spiritual protection. I know that's a weird thing to hear. What is spiritual protection? What does that mean? Well... In that book of Ephesians we were just in, in just a few chapters later, Paul will write about how when we say yes to Jesus and we're in his kingdom, there is another set of forces spiritually at play against us. And he will even say that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers. It's like we see glimpses of it every once in a while. And some of you may have had moments in your life where you notice something was wrong, something was off, and you couldn't quite put your finger on it, you discerned something. I'm not saying that's always a spiritual attack, but it could be. Or where you just keep having hit after hit, uh, ding on, on, your, on your life, on your situation, and you're going to start noticing maybe there are times when I'm getting attacked spiritually. Like just something is off. Has anybody ever had those moments? Because I have. And, and not only is it just in the individual But it can also happen to a corporate church body where we're sensing something's off, something's wrong, or there's an attack. And oftentimes you start seeing division and anger and frustration. And sometimes that can be bad choices by people in the church, but it can also be an attack. And so our spiritual care team, our pastor elders, we're praying, sometimes fasting through things that are difficult, trying to navigate How we protect the church family. How do we make sure that our teaching stays biblical? How do we make sure that we're making the right decisions? How we're we're navigating life in our culture? And I got to tell you, I didn't study pandemics in Bible college. But I got to tell you, that required a lot of nuanced prayer and decision-making and reading and taking care of. We didn't do everything right. We're not going to do everything right. But that's a, that's a difficult thing to navigate. And I felt like we were attacked. There was division. All kinds of things were going on. Multiple issues all at once. Some of you felt that too. But sometimes there's an attack. And part of the pastoral team is aiming to navigate that. Seeking the Lord. Praying, fasting for people. Sometimes there's spiritual protection that is needed. And I want to read to you from Acts chapter 20. And again, this is Paul writing to or talking to the elders at Ephesus. They had come down to see him. It was going to be the last time they were going to actually spend any time with Paul who had helped start the church in Ephesus. They come down to talk and and Paul gives them a pep talk. And here's how it goes in Acts chapter 20. Now it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people. God's people they are, to guard and protect them. God himself thought they were worth dying for. I know that as soon as I'm gone, vicious wolves are going to show up and rip into this flock. Men from your very own ranks, twisting words so as to seduce the disciples into following them instead of following Jesus so stay awake and keep up your guard remember those 3 years i kept at it with you never letting up pouring my heart out with you one after another there are times when the church and us as christ followers individually we're we're attacked and there's some mystery to that but i just as you grow closer to the lord I think sometimes those will be revealed to you that this is an attack and I need spiritual help. And uh, I can tell you there's been more than one time over the last 15 years being a pastor of this church where there have been attacks. I've even had people ask me to come and bless the spaces where they, where they live. Now, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but sometimes we need that pastoral care for protection. And, uh, and there may be times in your life where you need that. And it's an attack, and Satan would really love to pull you out, to take you out, uh, keep you uh, isolated and weak, He wants to hurt you, and that the church can help with that, and pastoral care is a, a really part of spiritual protection. Here's the third thing: spiritual nourishment and guidance. Spiritual nourishment and guidance. so that, uh, well, just like, like actual sheep, we need to be fed and fed well, not with junk food. Uh, fed with healthy food. And so spiritual nourishment and guidance is, is part of that. Listen to uh, Ephesians just a little bit farther from what we just read. In Ephesians chapter 4, the whole chapter 4 of Ephesians is very helpful to see how all the different pieces work in the church family. And people are called by to do different roles. And uh, so in, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 14, uh, it says this, No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. So we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything, everything we do, and he keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. That kind of a beautiful statement. I'm, I'm reading uh, the Message version, and uh, if you've not familiar with that version, maybe different w- than what you're reading right now, and that's okay. I love what Eugene Peterson did in that translation. Where what he was trying to do is free it up a little bit more modern uh, conversation. Now, there's other scriptures, you, other versions you could use for for like drilling down into word studies, but this one kind of frees it up for me that we're we're meant to grow up, and so part of the pastoral eldership role in a church family, and including ours, is to help do that, spiritual nourishment and guidance. And here's the last one. To model healthy, godly living and spiritual health. To, to, to model what it looks like, how it is to, to, to live with spiritual health, and to model that. I take that very seriously, and our leadership does that too. We don't doesn't mean we're perfect, it just means that part of what our role is, is to help show what, it's, what it means to follow Jesus. I love what Eugene Peterson said in one of his last books. He wrote a, kind of a memoir. He was a pastor for many years. In fact, the whole reason the message uh, version came out is because he was teaching a Sunday school class way back in the day to some, some folks in the, in the East, and uh, these were everyday hard-working individuals, and they were having a tough time understanding the good old King James, So he said, why don't I just work on a version that I can help teach these folks so they can understand the scriptures better. I love that heart. He had a pastor's heart, and he said this about shepherding and pastoring. He said, you know what? This is long obedience in the same direction. It's not flashy. It's not bumper stickery. It's not, I don't know, unicorns and butterflies. And this is true for you following Jesus, too. It's long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience, and I've been following Jesus for a long time. I don't always get it right, but part of the role of a pastor, a leader of a church, it should be to model that healthy living. L- listen to uh, what, what one of those pastoral letters I mentioned earlier. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says this. And again, I spend, uh, my week is, I go through these every week, so I can be reminded. If anybody wants to provide leadership in the church, Good but here are some preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible, okay, I don't always get this right, okay? Accessible and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about, that's helpful. Not be over-fond of wine, not pushy but gentle, not thin-skinned, not money-hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. For someone is unable to handle his own affairs. How can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new believer, lest the position go to his head and the devil try to trip him up. Outsiders must think well of him, or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. I spend time every week just rereading that. This is what and, and where I get off track. Hey, this is what a leader is in our church family. And I want you to see by that list that, and this is not an exhaustive thing. It's not like a checklist thing. It's nothing like that, but it's the kind of, the kind of thing you ought to be if you want to be a leader in the church because Jesus is using under shepherds like me and like our, our eldership team to, to help model what it's like. And so there's a place for, for help spiritually, godly living and spiritual health. See, Jesus asked his original disciples to feed his sheep. In fact, there's a great interaction at the end of the Gospel of John with, with, with Peter specifically and this whole sheep thing. And he, he, Jesus is saying, hey, directly to Peter, who was one of the key early church uh, leaders after that, hey, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. He's called some to be pastors and, and elders and shepherd elders, He's called some of us to do that, and I just want to let you know here at our church family, we take that very seriously. We know that's an important role. There's weight to that. There's a lot of weight to the decisions that are made and how things are, how how we do things around here, what the resources where where they should go, and all of that's really important because we're called to shepherd the church family, and that's really, really key. Now it's it can be messy, and again, I'm hearkening back to those good old sheep days. It can be messy. Sheep cannot know where to eat, or uh, maybe they're eating too much of the wrong thing. Uh, They need to be guided and protected, and we take that role very seriously around here. And sometimes we don't always get it right, but that's our role, and I don't think you can get that anywhere else. I can't think of any other organization or institution, when it's healthy, that you can get that sort of care, that pastoral care that someone cares about you, to guide you and lead you. And uh, we take that role pretty, pretty seriously. So in answer to the question we've been asking this whole series why church well another reason is for 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 when you need help pastoral care help when it hurts when life hurts pastoral help and and whether that be hurting or advice or counsel those are all part of uh, being shepherds of our church family so that pastoral care to me is a huge deal because uh, it's worth investing in it's worth uh, supporting. And uh, I think that if you're a grandparent or, or a parent, you know what, what this pastoral thing is like because you're help, helping your children learn and, and grow and, and, and become healthy people. And one day they're going to do the same thing. And so that's part of the role of a pastor. Look, the church is a place that welcomes hurts. It's a place to help bind up the brokenhearted, uh, to give community for the lonely and maybe those who are outcasts. To offer prayers and direction and counsel, sometimes even a challenge or some discipline or or some uh, some encouragement. I don't think you get that anywhere else. That's what the beauty of God's design is for the church to work. So, again, why church? Spiritual growth, for deeper friendships and for pastoral care when life hurts. When life hurts, how beautiful is that when the church is is healthy and operating like that in the community. What a great uh, witness that is to our world, when that's how we operate. And that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're aiming for by God's grace to get there. I wanna pray for us in a minute, but before I do, if you've not made our church family your church home, uh, we would love that. We would love you to partner with us for however long God has you in this community. We'd love it if this is your church home, a place where you can get that pastoral care when needed and serve and grow deeper. So if you've never done that, we'd love to, to celebrate that with you today. You can make that just a declaration. We'd love that. Uh, let us know. It, uh, but if you're someone who's never said yes to Jesus and never been part of his flock, that's, today's a good day to do that too. If you want to take a next step with Jesus as the chief shepherd, we would love to, we would love to celebrate that with you. So let's pause now for a word of prayer as we close. Father, you're so good and powerful. You're mighty. You're the you're the one who who designed this church to work and have all its parts and pieces and leaders and all the things that are going to work. Uh, father, we know that it's built on your son Jesus. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, Father, we we pray that you'd help us to to not only value your church family but father to participate in it and be part of that. And Lord, thank you for loving us uh, like like sheep that you you would 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 show us when you came to this planet with us, that you you are the chief shepherd and that you love us, your flock. And so, Father, help us to live out what that means in our world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.